So here we are. It is 2018, and this is the very first, I like to call it the first official Sonic Storytellers podcast. I'm joined here with Matt Kenyon from mattkenyon.net. Say hi, Matt. Howdy. <laughs> and uh, this is technically our eighth episode, but the last seven have kind of been uh, piecemealed together from uh, previous chats and some, some different things. Um, but we're really excited about today's chat. Hopefully, keep a little bit shorter, maybe under the 30-minute uh, threshold or so. But I think it's an important topic to talk about, and it's this idea of how to deal with creative burnout. And this is something that, as composers, I think we deal with a lot because, as art, I guess, as artists, as creatives, this is something that um, we sometimes don't know how to manage our energy levels and our time. And we can find sure. ourselves getting completely burnt out and, and unfocused and unproductive. And what really spawned this chat in particular, um, about a couple weeks ago, uh, one of my close composer friends was actually going through this exact thing. Um, and he was just devastated because he had just worked on this really big project, which is typically the case. And he put all of his heart, soul, energy into it and... Um, it was one of those really short game jam type competitions. So we had mm -hmm. a few days to write a tremendous amount of music and the end result was really impressive. Um, but afterwards he was just like, what do I do now? Uh, right. how, how do I move forward with my life? Um, I don't really have anything left to give. How am I supposed to get back into a regular, um, process of this? So, um, so Matt, what I want to talk about today are, are three kind of core questions to, uh, kind of what is creative burnout, maybe how it affects composers differently uh, than other artists. Uh, number two would be what are your top recommendations for preventing creative burnout? And then what advice we might have for any composers seeking um, to get out of this creative burnout that they're in right now. So I'm excited to jump into this thing. Um, and, Absolutely. And do you have any, any, I guess, opening thoughts before we jump in? Sure. Well, I just want to say uh, thanks so much for having me on. This is a ton of fun. This is the first time I've ever been a podcast guest. Um, I love talking about this stuff and thinking about this stuff. There's one thing I want to say um, for your composer friend that I was thinking of while you were speaking um, that may be helpful to him and maybe to some of our listeners as well. Adam Neely is a YouTuber and music educator on, uh, on YouTube. He graduated from Berkeley, and he has this phenomenal video about his Berkeley senior recital and how he got really depressed afterwards. Um, and I think that could probably speak to a lot of what you just said. So I think we should put that video in the show notes. So that's just one little thing I want to add in there because he really goes deep into the sort of post project blues that a lot of uh, artists have. So I think that would be a great resource to check out. Um, and yeah, other than that, I'm ready to jump in as well. I think, uh, I think this is a big topic and learning how we can manage our creative energy is, is huge. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited. Cool. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, so the idea here is what is creative burnout? I talked a little bit about it. I felt kind of this idea of exhaustion, but if you were to maybe define that, what would you say as an observer and as a composer yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great question. I think it's super important that we define 
our terms whenever we talk about things like this because we could be talking about two different things. So it's always good to make sure that we're on the same page when we're talking about things. So creative burnout to me um, can mean two different things, uh, two, two kind of disparate ideas. The first is when you just simply do not have the mental or emotional strength to work on a creative project, or in other words, depleted willpower. So it's that feeling in the pit of your stomach um, that we all experience with our art when it becomes really hard work and we'd literally rather do anything else than work on our creative projects. So that that's a tough rut to be in. So that's one aspect of creative burnout. The second, which is maybe akin to what your friend was going through, the second is something it's it's very different. The 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 passion is there, the energy is there, but nothing um, nothing uh, satisfactory is just flowing out of you. There are no ideas. So this is something more like writer's block. So um, no ideas are coming out of your head. And the ideas that are coming out, just you're just not happy with no matter how hard you try. Um, and that can be very discouraging. You know, that, that can be very discouraging. And that can almost make you want to quit. Um, the extreme case of creative burnout is is very dangerous because if you let this go unchecked for too long that's when you start to question whether you even want to do your art anymore right so when we think of people that burn out in certain professions we think of people like the first thing that comes to my mind is american beauty with kevin spacey i don't know if anyone in our audience has seen that movie but basically he he throughout the movie he has this midlife crisis totally burns out, quits his lucrative advertising job, pretty much goes insane, starts smoking pot and gets a job at McDonald's at the drive through and just because he's so burnt out on his job. So that's kind of an extreme case. But I think as creatives, when we let this burnout go too far unchecked, whether it's the writer's block burnout or whether it's the we just don't have the energy burnout, it could be kind of turn into this sort of existential crisis of, man, do I even want to do this anymore? Um, and that can be kind of scary because I think we all love our art. And if we are in our rational minds, we know that we're not just, we don't just want to give up, but if it goes unchecked for too long, and we'll talk about more strategies on this podcast about how to make sure it doesn't go unchecked for too long. But if it does, I think it can, can even cause some of us to quit. Yeah. Uh, that's good stuff. And just as a disclaimer, Matt and I have actually not discussed uh, our answers to these questions yet, and that's half the fun of being here now. Um, Absolutely. I actually have slightly different opinions about that, but I, I want to kind of finish the question, though. Um, how do you think that this might particularly affect composers differently than other types of artists? Sure. Um, so composers... Well, there's a few different things. One is one, if the composer themselves um, is is uh, if this is a profession. Okay, so this is that's why it's. A, I think if you're an artist, we also have to define: Are you a professional artist or are you sort of a hobby artist? So for me, um, it's sort of a, a good thing, bad thing situation because right now I don't 
make money from my compositions. It's completely a hobby. So my creative burnout is going to look different than you, Stephen. You are a professional composer. This is how you make your living. So it's a little bit different. And I, I almost say I would almost say that for a composer like me, it can be more dangerous. And here's what I mean. A composer like you, this is your job. You have to compose, right? So you have to sit down and you have to do it. You don't have a choice or you don't eat. For me, I could distract myself. I could, you know, download a game on Steam, you know, blow a bunch of hours on Broforce, which is awesome, by the way. Awesome game. Um, I could... uh, really just ignore the art itself because it's because I'm it's just a a hobby for me I'm a hobbyist so this is a little different than the question you asked but I think that the the differentiation between professional and personal can make it very different Um, and I almost think that if you're a professional you may be in a slightly better position just for the reason that you have to do it and eventually those gears are going to start turning again when you're just sitting down at your piano sitting down in your DAW and you're working day after day after day in my experience that's when a lot of the inspiration can come back so um how this can affect composers specifically different than other artists. Um, well, I think the distinction between composers and other artists is naturally that we are working with auditory mediums. We're working with non-visual mediums. Um, and so there is a sense in which, and, and we, we can probably get to this, uh, later in the uh, later in the podcast about ways of preventing creative burnout, I think for composers we're in a really good position to um, because our art is ubiquitous. Like music is everywhere. It's it's one of the most ubiquitous art forms, and so there are lots of sources of inspiration for composers everywhere. Um, you can draw inspiration from music, like one of the suggestions I have for for preventing creative burnout is going through a season of just consuming music rather than creating music. And so I think because music is such a ubiquitous art form, there are so many sources of inspiration that we can go to to fill up our inspiration tanks more so than say if you were a classic acrylic painter. That might be kind of difficult, right? Because you have to go to a museum or you have to somehow access pieces of art that inspire you and that sort of thing. And there's a little more maintenance there. But if you have Spotify, you know what I mean? You can access music that can fill you up and inspire you. And so I think that I think as composers, creative block, we have more opportunities to fix it, if that makes sense. So I think that's one of the distinctions between us and normal artists. I think that's great. Uh, Thank you for that. Um, And I think my response is pretty similar. I will say, though, that kind of in the definition side of creative burnout, uh, I agree in the sense that uh, it's any time that a creative is pushing themselves to that point of exhaustion. You hinted at writer's block almost as if it's, um, if you, I guess you were saying if you don't, as if you have the passion, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying that the writer's block would be if you have the passion, but you're kind of, I guess, stunned not to do it? So what I would more say, you ha- you have the passion and you have the energy, you have the willpower. But this is something that I've p- particularly gone through where, if I can be frank, everything you write is crap. I mean, to, to yourself for, for a season. So you sit down 
and you and you start plunking away at the piano and you start playing on guitar and just nothing that comes out of you is just like I, this is not good i don't like this this is this doesn't work this is this sounds amateurish and then you can almost start to feel this doubt right in the back of your head of man am i even good enough to do this like and you know we've we've talked about in our last when we got together last time about imposter syndrome and i struggle with that a lot where i'll have a season where maybe the stuff i'm writing is not that good and i just start to i i can't help but start to doubt my own abilities you know can i even make it in this industry can i make this so i think that's um, it's, it's sort of a sneakier, more subtle form of creative burnout, but that's one thing that I would, that I would, that could possibly manifest itself as creative burnout. Okay. Um, so something that, that I think is kind of at the core of creative burnout is this idea that I think creativity is like a muscle. It is something that, uh, it can shrink if it's unused and it can be injured if it's overused. So I think mm. finding a healthy balance is really the key to having a healthy, um, healthy creative life. And so often I see, such as my friend, who in his case he overused it. Uh, he had this yeah. his this game jam where they stay up for who knows how long, three days in a row, and they just oh work. Gosh. It's it's like a 70, 72 hour just blast where you sit down and just write music and you write an entire soundtrack, and the end result's pretty amazing. But of course, you know, you're gonna get sick and you're gonna just have a miserable week after that. And of course, you're gonna, if in his case, he's a professional composer, he's someone who writes, you know, other projects too. Uh, as soon as you return to your kind of everyday life, if, if you didn't kind of uh, set that, as, that energy aside and you didn't ramp back up, kind of like working out, you know, you, you kind of have these warm up moments, these cool down moments, these periods of rest. Without that balance, man, you yeah. can just really wreck yourself. Well, that's encouraging that that you say that, and I, I love your analogy, man, about creativity being a muscle, and I, I couldn't agree more. And that's interesting because my number one answer in top recommendations for cre- preventing creative burnout is to keep life in balance. So you said that word a lot, and so um, when we move on to that segment. Um, I would love to touch more on that because that is something, man, that I think creatives can struggle with. We get super passionate about a project, like you said, like the game jam or whatever it may be. And I know for me personally, I can neglect a lot of important things. So I'll, I'll save that for when we get there. But Well, let's just jump into that section. I think we're, we're there on time. Um, so question number two, what are your top recommendations for preventing creative burnout? Now, I guess I'll start on that one. Um, yeah. Basically, if let's go with this this muscle analogy, um, if creative burnout is a result of overusing and straining creativity, then the best way to prevent it is to have breaks and to change your focus and to have these intervals. So, for example, uh, we've talked about this as well about this idea of deep work. That mm-hmm. to really have meaningful, needle moving, uh, profound impacting work in your life you gotta basically set aside at least about three hours spans so that when you sit down your attention is 100 percent focused on your craft it's, mm. it's working on this project and i think if at all possible you should try to achieve this at least once a day but i think if, if you're going to achieve this multiple times in a day which some days you can um if you have an entire day to write whatever then I think you need to break it up. They can't be side by side. They can't be three hours. Oh, let me take a 10 minute break, three more hours. 
You're just going to weigh sure. yourself out. It's like, uh, seriously, imagine this. Um, look at Olympian athletes, Olympic athletes. Like they go, yes, they go, they, they'll work out for three hours, but they're not going to take five five minute break and go right back to it. They're going to uh, space out their entire day and they're going to um, they're going to change up activities. They're going to do something different. So as a composer, one of the cool things is we wear so many hats. Very, right. f- very seldom are you just writing music. In fact, if you look at the life of um, Howard Shore, for example, he, you know, the Lord of the Rings composer, um, he spends um, the entire morning portion of his day writing and then he'll spend another three hour session maybe mixing and then he'll do the actual another three hours of sheet music of notation wow. and he'll, he'll spread out his day yeah he'll work nine to twelve hours but it's they're very different activities and what's so cool about that is they're they're all focused you know n- needle moving work it's all that deep Absolutely. work but it's all different activities that use different parts of the brain some you know if you're if you're doing notation that's analytical if you're doing sure. composition actually like on a on a keyboard or on a doll that's that's using your ear that's using your your tactile it's using your hands right so uh i think if you can just develop these systems that are all about um moving around and doing different things that's big and even if uh, yeah. one of my favorite examples is beethoven uh he's one of my favorite composers of all time um he used to go on long walks if he was yep. playing piano and he was really trying to figure out that one chord or that one thing writer's block essentially because he was straining that muscle uh, he would just go on a an hour or two long, or an hour or two walk, and he would just go uh, walk around the park, whatever, walk on the street, and he would start whistling the tune. It would just kind of naturally come to him because now he was, first of all, he was physical motion. He was getting away from his environment, allowing himself to really uh, just start to to think beyond his head, and allow kind of that that third person kind of thinking to come in. Sure. And I think that's huge. And, and physical movement is a really big uh, stress reliever. And it's a way that you can um, get your body to move. So uh, in my life, uh, if I have a full day to write, I try to break things into definitely having, for me, I'm, I'm a morning person. So I love to have like a good three hour chunk in the morning. And then yeah. I'll have a good lunch period where I can relax and maybe do some smaller admin type tasks. Because usually most people are this way. By about two or three p.m., we're kind of burnt out, and Absolutely. we're like, "Let's just call it quits." Um, but Coffee no, wears out. Yeah, exactly. So that's when I start to do more of the admin, in, you know, admin and emails and, and communications and organization and the things that are not as fun. Sure. And that way, maybe yeah. I'll read a book or something. Just anything that's yeah. still productive, but it's going to completely change my energy level. Uh, so as much as you can. Uh, know yourself be self-aware about where your energy levels live you can really base that around so what about you man uh what are some of your recommendations for preventing creative burnout well this is all awesome stuff man i i i was taking notes while you were speaking um that's just really great i i love the idea of what you said the third person thinking um because we can get so in our own heads. And I think it can prevent us from really thinking creatively. There's a few things. The first thing, like I mentioned, is keeping life in balance. And you touched a lot about that. Um, We as humans, I've heard it said that we are designed to surge and rest, surge and rest. I mean, that's the pattern, the, the natural pattern of our lives. Why do we have to sleep eight hours a night? Because that's just how 
we are designed. That's how our bodies work. It's how our minds work. We need rest. And so I think when we don't keep life in balance and what balance means is different for everyone. I mean, we all, a lot of us have families, uh, spouses, significant others. A lot of us, uh, I mean, obviously we all have bodies that we need to take care of. Um, we need to eat, we need to drink water, we need to sleep, we need social interaction with people so we don't go insane. You know, we, we need friends, you know, all these things are things that are healthy. And so, um, I think for me, I know that when my life is not in balance, even if that means if I am producing a record or mixing and mastering something, um, you know, there was a time where I, 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 I mixed and mastered to produce my own record of rearranged hymns. And there was a time where I was racing to the finish line to get it done. And I was neglecting, you know, all sorts of stuff. I was neglecting any sort of intellectual, emotional, spiritual, relational um, responsibilities. And man, I was making sloppy mistakes. And that's the ironic thing is that I was devoting all my time to my craft and I was not keeping my life in balance and it was causing me to make mistakes. So I think keeping your life in balance is huge. Um, What you said about the deep work, going outside, going for a walk, Beethoven, man, the the author of the book, Deep Work, Cal Newport, he's a, he's a mathematician and he's a, uh, he's a computer science professor. And what he would do is, and this fascinates me that he can, that he can do this in his, in his head, but he would have a programming problem that he could not solve at his computer. So he would take the programming problem and he would go for a working walk. And what he would do is he would walk around the campus where he was the professor and he would solve the problem in his head. And, and that's amazing to me. And I think that goes perfectly in line with what you were saying about Beethoven. And he would come to so many great conclusions on those walks. So if you're a creative and if you're someone who's on a computer all day, I, this is cliche advice and I know I'm going to sound like your mother, but go outside because there is an amazing thing that happens when you go outside and you walk around and the sun is shining on your skin and you breathe in the fresh air. Um, just, you don't have to go for a run. You don't have to jog. Just do a 20 minute light walk around your, your office or your neighborhood or or where you are. And I think you'll be amazed at how refreshed you feel, you feel. So that's one way that you can prevent creative burnout. Um, the, what you said is really good. I'm not going to touch on it too much for the sake of time, but working on other tasks, right? So, it's not good if you have this all or nothing approach like, oh man, I'm so burnt out. So I'm throwing away music altogether. I'm just going to go watch TV or binge on Netflix or whatever, what have you. There are other tasks that need to be done that, like you said, it's like interval training. You work your biceps, then you get tired on your biceps, you go work your triceps, and then you get tired on your triceps, you go work your core, that sort of thing. There's other productive things that you can work on to drive the ball forward. Things like social media, that uh, getting your social media presence you know, optimized, that sort of thing. Responding to emails, that sort of thing. So um, I think that's a great idea. The deep work technique is fantastic. The other technique is the Pomodoro technique, and we can put the sh- the uh, we can put like a link in the show notes to how you would go about starting that. But the Pomodoro technique is basically this technique where you work completely undistracted, no email, no phone, no no conversation for twenty five minutes. Take a five minute break, 
and then you do that four more times in four cycles and then you take a uh, a longer break like a 15 or 30 minute break and so if if the deep work thing is just not feasible for you for for whatever reason now i would recommend the deep work um because if you do at least one deep work session a day you you're going to be blown away by how much your your craft is going to improve and you will draw there's no substitute for a solid three-hour chunk of deep work but if you can't for whatever reason you're in a job or an environment that is won't let you do that the pomodoro technique is great and i just have two more recommendations i know we're 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 going over time but i'll be very quick okay so um the second thing that i highly recommend or second thing this is like the sixth thing sorry um is the you can tell i've thought about this a lot um so is to journal to identify triggers in your life okay so i know we all have mixed feelings about journaling and i don't mean like dear diary you know today sally said hi to me you know like that sort of thing it's more like a professional journal so like what you would do is i use this app on mac called day one and it tracks all of my journal entries um it tracks uh, you know, you can, you can tag certain things like you can hashtag things. And so you, it'll group all of them together. And so what I'll do, and this is kind of just a peek into my own practices. If I'm having a crappy day, I will literally, I will literally hashtag the word terrible. Okay. And then I will write what made the day terrible. Okay. If I'm having a good day, I will hashtag the day good. And I will write what made the day good. So then what I can do is I can look back and I can say, okay, let me look at all the good days I've had and all the failure days and all the crappy days I've had. What was consistent? What was the thread? And a lot of times it'll be like, well, I didn't get enough sleep. I didn't get enough sleep on the crappy days. So what does that tell me? That tells me I need to get more sleep. So that's what I mean when I say journal to identify the triggers to your creative burnout. So if you're burning out creatively, journal about it figure out what's going on inside of you and also figure out like, how did I get here? What made me get to this point? And I think a lot of it will, will be illuminating to you. This, the last thing is read biographies of people or books about new ideas. Okay. So this is, this, this fills me up so much. And I know Steven, you're a huge fan of reading and I cannot overstate the importance of this for creative people. Something happens to your brain when you read a book. You just, something happens that, that doesn't happen with a podcast or a video or anything else is when you start reading biographies of creative people, it doesn't need to be composers, just anyone who's creative. You start to feel so inspired. You see their journey. You see what they had to go through to get to the point that they're at now. Um, and, uh, reading books about new ideas, pick up a new theory book, uh, pick up some abstract, uh, theory book that talks about, you know, this, this really weird, uh, you know, <laughs> negative, negative harmony. Exactly. The super hyper mega metalidian scale, you know, um, or whatever. Um, which reminds me talking about feeling inspired. I've been following Jacob Collier a lot lately and um, he's a genius. I mean, I'm convinced he's from another planet, but that that he's been inspiring me and filling me up because he's a creative person. I'm watching him work and and it really helps me. It fills me up. It makes me want to make things, you know, like him. Um, so anyway, so that was a long winded answer. 
but I've thought a lot about it. So I hope that there's some value in that that people can take away. Yeah. And I want to piggyback real quick. We got the time. Let's do it. Um, awesome. And if you don't have time, you can always hit pause and come back to it on your next drive. Isn't that right? That's right. <laughs> or you can uh, do the 2x thing on a podcast. That's true. I do that all the time. Hey, 1.25. Woo. That's like the perfect speed. Anyway. What's that? 1.25? Yeah. Because oh, yeah, it's like a slightly faster. Anyway, right. um, I was just going to piggyback on the whole journaling thing. Man, uh, that's so big. And I have noticed in my life that uh, I've done that. I've, I've actually gone through that process of kind of journal down. Okay, what is my, what are, what are my best days? When do I see the, the most productivity, the most creativity? Sure. And it's actually, there is a trend for me. It's when I ex, it's when I get up early, get good sleep. It's when I exercise. It's when I have time to kind of uh, plan out my day and to be thoughtful and uh, spend time with my family and, and all these things that have nothing to do with music. It's pretty That's wild. That's awesome, dude. It, That's it, awesome. But I found there's like this small list of things that if I can incorporate these into my day, it's a good day and I get to write music. So what it does is it charges me up and it fills me up and, and gives great value to what I do. And when I'm feeling pumped up and charged and positive, of course, my music's going to be great because everything else in my life is taken care of. It's That's when, awesome. It's when you uh, shirk off everything else in your life and you put yourself in a dungeon and you lock yourself away and the whole world's burning, but oh, you're getting your music done. It becomes a sure. chore. It becomes a chore and you're not inspired at all. Right. And uh, your motivation for doing and your inspiration is completely uh, pulled away. And you can't right. compose with a clean conscience. No, you right? can't. Because you, you know everything else in your life is in shambles. And so you it don't definitely wanna, affects yeah. the way you compose. And you don't want to compose quickly, which sounds right. interesting, right? Because... Uh, you think, oh, if I can just pull myself away for an hour, if I can just pull myself away for two hours, three hours, and write this thing, it'll be done, it'll be great. But it usually isn't. It's it's when you actually give yourself more time, give yourself a, a big cushion of time, mm-hmm. that when you focus, you can get things done quick, quickly. And uh, it's a giant paradox, honestly, but it's... Uh, it is. But that's kind of creativity. And, and one more thing I'll talk about is this idea of capturing the muse in the bottle, right? Capturing uh, the lightning. Um, yes. I think consistency um, ultimately is what we need in our lives. And I'll actually, I'll go ahead and move on to question three because this is kind of an answer for that. Um, and the question three, again, was what advice do we have for any composer who is experiencing creative burnout right now? Um, I would say stop, breathe. Go do other things, find ways to release stress, uh, do something you enjoy, spend time with people, uh, do something physically active, it could be exercise, it could be a sport, go get inspired by the artists who made you want to become a composer in the first place, go listen to your favorite soundtracks, um, but ultimately that that's good for like day one, that's good for getting out of that funk, but ultimately you've got to find a rhythm, you've got to start writing something every day. And this is something mm-hmm. that I'm trying to get myself back into because years ago, before life was um, a little bit more complex, uh, now uh, I have a family and everything and, and um, multiple jobs and, and all kinds of things going on in my life, uh, that you'd think I'd have every excuse in the world not to write music, but um, which is funny because that's what I do. Um, but there's this, there's such a fulfillment and there is a uh, a relaxation that comes 
when you're already generating material every day if we believe that that creativity is like a muscle that we got to use it every day um, sure even if it's in the smallest way and i'm not saying you have to go up to your your studio and you have to pull open a, a blank logic session and actually start writing music and recording music that's not all composition is there's actually a, a, there's a spectrum of things you can do but maybe you just go to the piano and play for a few minutes every morning or maybe um on the days you're not near a piano you're not near a guitar or an instrument you like bring some no notation paper with you some sheet music and, and actually just scribble some things or maybe you're just you're just kind of whistling as you walk uh, as you're taking a run whatever um, there's so many ways that you can start to write music, but I know for me, if that is one of the components for a great day, then even on a not work day, because I don't work every day, I think uh, even on the non-work days, I got to use that creativity. Um, otherwise, it gets bent up and it becomes something that um, that, that works against me. And that because if, if if you're not using your muscle every day, then what's going to happen is on workout days, you're going to go in and you're going to be sore. Right, and you're, or, or you're, you're going to injure yourself, to exactly. continue with the metaphor. Exactly, because you're going to have a big project that is eventually going to come up, and then you're going to just over overstrain it, overstrain it. Instead, sure. if you're you know taking care of yourself and being healthy and having that balance, you're going to um, be able to get to that deep work so much sooner. Your warm-up right. time doesn't take as long. Um, if you, anyone who works out, if you, you know, worked out once last week and now you're going in, um, it's going to be a lot harder to get back into the groove than if you had just gone yesterday. Sure. Um, it's going to give you, uh, it's going to take five minutes of kind of warming up. Okay, cool. My body knows what to do versus the hour it might take to warm up. So it's the same as if you're going to write music, if you're going to try to turn this into a craft and, and make it your job, then mm -hmm. uh, you got to practice. You have to make it part of your rhythm and balance. So, uh, that's my best suggestion for someone who's in it right now. Make that's this awesome. make this a rhythm for yourself. Absolutely. I think that's that's huge. The idea of that life is a marathon, not a sprint, and and composition and our craft is a marathon, not a sprint. Um and so I think to go I think there's a lot of analogies in this podcast episode uh, mostly from you, which I think are very astute, and it's that of physical exercise. And there is a lot of similarities between creativity and physical exercise, um, especially in the sense that um, we, when when a, when we when you run a marathon, you pace yourself. You don't sprint. And I think that's a lot of what kind of we're getting at. This whole craft thing is not. It, you're not going to find success when you're basically staying up for 24 hours, not eating, sleeping, or drinking, neglecting your family to try to get a cue out the door. Now, if you have a deadline, that's one thing, right? And you got you to gotta obviously fulfill your deadlines. But I think having a rhythm, like you said, is just so important. Before I get to my question, I want to ask you a question. Totally unscheduled. This is candid, candid camera here. Um... What was the biggest, most debilitating source of creative burnout for you personally in your career? And how did you overcome that? I think that might be something that our, our audience would find very valuable. And I'm curious as well. Uh, honestly, uh, it's probably the transition from being single into marriage. Um, and it's in no way 
uh, to my wife's detriment, but rather it was this idea of I had this one way of doing life where I was writing music seven days a week and I was working very, very long hours. I was working overnight. Um, and then all of a sudden uh, introduced um, living with someone else. And, and all of a sudden I had to let my my schedule had to meld with hers. And so uh, I just remember distinctly this idea of, of having to figure out, okay, how am I supposed to record music if we're in the same room? How are we supposed to uh, do all these kind of things? And so I, I remember I had to retrain myself and get really disciplined on how and when I wrote music. And I had to all of a sudden learn, okay, it is possible to write music in three hour chunks or in two hour chunks, whatever. I don't have to sit here for 10 hours and hope that that lightning strikes me. Right. And so um, I just remember in that process, there was a lot of burnout because it was kind of trial and error, to be honest. And I think it's okay yeah. to an extent, but uh, I think that there was this time of, of uh, when when there's tension outside of your writing space, um, and anyone who's been married, you know that that first <laughs> there, there's just a lot of arguments that happen in that in that first six months or so. Sure. That uh, you come through and you you become a better team through that. But I think in any relationship, honestly, there's a certain there's a certain gel period where you're you're learning each other, right? Um, and your your limits and your boundaries. And I think that when there's tension outside of your creative space, it shows. It does. And it, it gets really hard to get back into that creative zone. But I think as as there's uh, the theme of today, this whole idea of balance and health, when there's health in all the areas of your life, mm-hmm. man, when you, when you can sit down and, and start writing music as almost a release, a creative release, um, to acknowledge the health in the rest of your life, I think your music starts to feel that way. And it starts, people notice that. And I think the most impactful music I've ever written have been in periods and times of of me being within great joy. Yeah. Um, it, is, it comes through our music because I, yeah, my saddest music, my most heartbreaking music is when I was in the most heartbreak because I think music is a, is a conduit of emotion that yeah. it, it can hold whatever we fill it up with and how we're feeling in that moment. It doesn't mean our, our music has to always be happy, whatever, but um, I think... Pulling from those experiences is huge. And so for me, that that just that automatically comes to mind because that was a big transition process for me. Um, and ultimately, I'm for the better because now I'm disciplined and now I can uh, I can sit down. Even if I do only have an hour to write music, I can do it. And it's yeah. those are the hardest moments because I in those moments, I know if I had three hours, I could actually finish what I started. But this mm-hmm. is where u- utilizing tools is really important using things like voice memo and Evernote and these things we've talked about, you can at least start the idea. And if I know I only have an hour, what I'll do, and it's a three hour project, what I start to do is instead of just starting, I will actually try to give an outline as accurately as possible. And I will actually Hmm. try to, on the piano, I'll like write the melody of the A section, write the melody of the B section, of the C section. I'll get... All the things I know that if I don't write down now, I will forget them and that inspiration will be lost. And right. so I will get that core because you can always come back 
um, when you're not feeling inspired and fill out the details because that's sure. where the training, that's where the academia comes in. That's where the, the voice leading and the orchestration and the things right. that don't require any actual um, creativity has right. everything to do with just filling in. It's like coloring or something. It's, it's like it, paint by numbers. It, yeah, yeah. You, you have yeah, the outline yeah. ready and then you come back exactly. later and fill exactly. it in. So uh, that's my suggestion for anyone who needs, uh, when you're in that creative zone, when you're in that deep work moment, prepare for the times that you're not so that you're mm -hmm. never wasting time. You're always using it. That's great, man. And thank you so much for sharing about, about your, uh, your transition. I think that's really helpful and, uh, and vulnerable to share. I think balance is important, but when you become married, it's really important. Like you, you can get away with being imbalanced when you're single. You just can. I mean, cause when you burn out, you don't affect anybody but yourself. Um, but one thing that my wife's taught me is that she's like, listen, man, when you, when your life is out of balance and you burn out, you affect me. And now my son, you know, who's, who's 10 months old and that adds a whole new layer of needing balance. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's really, really great advice. Thanks for sharing, man. Um, I'll, um, I'll share just a few things, um, to answer your question. What advice I have, uh, for a composer who's experiencing creative burnout. Um, the first thing is going to be to reconnect with your why. Um, I've heard it said kind of cheesy, but you lose your way when you lose your why. And basically that just means when you forget why you do this in the first place is when you start to get lost in the weeds and when creative burnout becomes a very real reality. So I think it's always good in businesses. They always have a mission statement. Why do we do this? Why do we do what we do? I think every composer and every creative for that matter and really pretty much every person, but especially a, a creative, should have a written mission statement of why you do this. Why do you create? You know, why do you why do you make music? Is it just because you want to you want to uh, sort of like bless other people, encourage other people, make other people feel good? You know, do you want do you make music just for yourself? You know, is it something that you do as just a, a sense of personal fulfillment? Is it something like a creative outlet? Um, you know, a big why for me is I want to look back on my life and I want to have a large body of work. That that to me would be just so satisfying to look back on my life and and not that I made a ton of money or whatever, but just like I wrote this. I wrote all of these songs, you know, and just to have that body of work, I think is powerful. So whatever your why is as a composer, reconnect with that, maybe even write it down somewhere and, and put it somewhere in your, in your office, in your room, in your, in your, on your bathroom mirror, somewhere where you can see it every day and just remember why you do this. Uh, the second thing is reach out to a fellow composer, a creative, if you're experiencing creative burnout, reach out to a friend, um, reach out to someone, you know, get, start getting involved in Facebook groups. There's so many nice people out there that are composers in film and games and media that are so helpful and so kind. And when you start making friends like you and I, Stephen, we met over the internet and now we're friends and we're doing a podcast together. Um, I think when you make these friends, there's nothing better than just processing this burnout with a friend, you know, and just reaching out to another creative, another composer and saying, man, I am just feeling totally burnt out. 
you know, I need some encouragement. I need some help. You know, I find that even if those people don't offer you like advice, if they just listen to you and just say, man, you know, I've been there. I've been there. I totally get what you're going through right now. You feel so filled up and encouraged after that. So that's a, that's a big, that's a big thing for me. Um, the, the, ne- the next thing would be to take a break from creating art and enter a season of consuming art. Um, now for some people whose career this is, that may not be an easy, the easiest thing you may have to, um, you may have to kind of power through this season because it might be something that you need to do for a job. But if you have a break and you don't have any deadlines, take a day, two days and just say, listen, I'm not going to write today. I am just going to listen to music and consume art. I'm going to refill my creative tank. Um, just like a writer can't write well unless they read a lot. I think it's hard for composers to compose well unless we listen to a lot of music. Um, and then the two more things that I have is if you learn a new chord, a technique, or honestly just try a new piece of software. So this is very practical advice, but sometimes when I download a new plugin um, or I need to learn a new chord or I learn something new like negative harmony or like, you know, um, something like that, I get really inspired and I'm like, I want to try this, you know, I want to put this in a composition. And so I start working on it and, and it starts off very technical, like, oh, let me just see how I can implement, you know, the augmented Lydian scale into some sort of progression. And then it becomes a song. And, and so I think that can be very helpful. And then the last thing that I have to say is, this is this is sort of the the last the last ditch effort of when you really just you have to get a job done but you're feeling creatively burnt out the brute force approach you set a timer for 5 minutes and you tell yourself I'm just going to work on it for 5 minutes I guarantee you 90% of the time you'll get into a creative flow and you'll go beyond that five minutes. But when you're feeling so burnt out that you're just like, man, I feel like I can't even do a lick of work right now. Set a timer for five minutes and just tell yourself five minutes. No problem. Just do five minutes, composition, mixing, arrangement, whatever. Um, I almost guarantee you when that timer goes up, you're going to want to keep going. It's just that that initial starting that's the hardest thing. Uh, so those are those are a few recommendations that uh, that I would give to people um, in creative burnout. Um, That's fantastic, um, and a, a few shout outs uh, as you mentioned some of those so so those resources. I just want to uh, give some practical resources. Um, the first would be the book "Start with Why," and that is by Simon Sinek, and we'll put links to all these things uh, in the show notes. Um, but start with why. That's my personal best recommendation to find your why. Um, I think he does a fantastic job. That's a a really great book. Um, And you can help uh, figure that out in the right order. Um, And as far as community goes, uh, we have the Sonic Storytellers Facebook group. So come join, come join, come ask your questions. And uh, we're going to really start ramping that up in uh, 2018, doing a lot more with the group there. So come join. That's a free private group. And then if you do want to learn some of that more advanced music theory, Rick Beato, that's Rick, B-E-A-T-O. He is an Atlanta-based um, teacher, um, and he has a pretty incredible story. Um, he is, he's been a, a famous music producer um, for a long time, and he teaches some of the most advanced music theory techniques I've ever, I've ever heard of. And he has a lot of great resources there, um, and he is a YouTuber. 
um, and he has really done some incredible things. So we'll link to his work as well. And I think any of those things can help spark that creativity and that um, that passion to take it to the next level and, and ultimately to, to get out of creative burnout and to prevent it moving forward by establishing healthy uh, rhythms in your life. So Matt, uh, I think we, it's time for us to wrap this thing up, but thank you so much everyone for listening. Hope this has been enjoyable for you. And uh, what, again, we'll have those links in the show notes for you. And I'm excited for 2018. It sounds like we got a great lineup Uh, A lot of great topics we're going to be diving into this year. So stick around, subscribe to the podcast um, for more like this and find both of us on YouTube. Matt also has his own channel. He's done some really fascinating things recently with Super Mario World music, actually, um, which has been very fascinating to watch. So check out his channel there. And also, again, mattkenyon.net. He has some pretty awesome interviews with composers coming up this year as well. So Uh, We'll keep an eye out for that and give more shout outs as uh, those come up. So thanks again, Matt. Appreciate you. And I know we will be we'll be chatting more from here um, on some other topics coming up. I'm excited. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. And uh, thank you for listening, everyone out there. All right, man. We have a good one. See you guys. You too. See you, bud.